0: In. Welcome, everyone, to Wii Universe. We just hacked into our own podcast.
1: Wow. Very impressive. Did, right you, did you forget your password? I did forget so, my password. Okay. I, had to
0: hack, I had to hack myself, a.k.a. reset my password.
1: That would be like a, kind of a funny bit, you know, because there's always that stereotypical hacking bit like you were doing there. of Like, tippity-tap-tap-tap, tap, tap, I'm in. And then, like, someone trying to do that, and it's like, crap, I forgot my password. And it's like, <laughs> it's forgot a- new login, and, like, request them <laughs> to send a text message to your phone. <laughs>
0: I don't remember which email I set this up with. God damn it! Uh,
1: What percentage of your life would you say? I I finally reached uh, like password overload. Like uh I was usually pretty good about being able to just pull it out of my brain, and then it over the past sort of couple months, it's fallen apart, and Mm -hmm. now it's a lot of clicking. Forgot my password.
0: Yeah, I would say one hundred percent of my time on this earth is spent uh, reclaiming passwords (laughs) that I have lost. So. So this game is actually perfectly suited for us because we are hackermen as well. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, this is a
1: game for the modern era. Absolutely. This well, game also has the very uh, exciting realm of coming. this podcast episode coming to you live almost. I, as yeah.
0: close to live as we've ever done through some... Uh, uh, scheduling snafus and various items we've we've we're recording this literally like an hour before <laughs> you're hearing it so we're going to stop recording i'm going to edit it i'm going to upload it so you guys are getting this <laughs> our, uh, our
1: opinions are fresh
0: this is about as fresh from the
1: vine as you can get it's uh, not like the previous episodes where we say a bunch of stuff about it and then the episode goes up and i'm like you know my opinion is completely changed yeah on that game. yeah you <laughs> know
0: what uh the croods party is actually the best game on the system
1: yeah it's actually exactly. pretty damn great
0: well, Welcome to Wii Universe, everybody. My name is Steve Guntling. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. Today we are playing Bad, bad a game... Boy bad boys 34, they <laughs> bad, call me. Bad Boy 34. Yeah. Uh, today we are playing a game called Watch underscore dogs. Yes, you're mm. supposed to say the underscore. Yeah, yeah, because this is all about hacking it's all about being a gritty <laughs> hacker man and who, punk it's all about hacking and punctuation and and stealing bored apes and uh, i i assume i i think seth green is the final boss of this oh, game sure. where you just need to steal his apes
1: oh, but, Well, for uh, what it's worth like punctuation is a pretty big part of like coding and hacking sure. like i remember when i learned very rudimentary code like i'm like oh my game crashes it's not working and they're like look at your code you forgot to put a semicolon there well and it's you put in a semicolon correct i don't and know what and you and tell it you. like works perfectly and you're like wow you can't I, abuse the semicolon. I m- underestimated the power of punctuation.
0: See, I think that's why I could never be a coder, because I would just be trying to correct the grammar <laughs> the entire time. I'm like, no, sure. this doesn't really flow. I think yeah. I can make this more concise. You need more
1: evocative language
0: here. Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, uh, before we get into the game that we're talking about today, what else have you been playing lately? It's been a little bit it since has we've been, uh, bit. been in person. I've been traveling,
1: and like uh, we've been kind of out and about. So uh, what, what have you been getting up to? Uh, well a game that I have been playing recently is a little game that I was excited about for a long t- time and then it came out and I kind of forgot about it. Like sure. I bought it right when I came out and then I didn't play it, even yeah. though I had been excited about it. That game is the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Oh, that's out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It yeah, came out maybe a month or two ago. Um, and the Stanley Parable is, you know, a delightful sort of, have a British, a snarky British guy talk to you simulator. It's so good. It's so good. It's so funny and creative and, and weird. meta, yeah. And uh, Ultra Deluxe has all that sort of same stuff. It adds a ton of content. Like, it's been a while since I played the Stanley Parable because I wanted to get that achievement that says, do not play the Stanley Parable for five years. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. And so... Um, I don't remember a lot of the initial endings, but, like, I can tell there's a lot of new ones here. It's really, really cool. It's fun. It's goofy. It's definitely... Uh, the first one kind of was built more on storytelling tropes, and this one sort of makes a lot of fun of, like, video game industry standards. Like, there's a thing that says new... Con- like, there's a door that just is labeled new content, and you go in there, and there's just, like, the. A, a, uh, sort of diamond, you can jump in for like 30 times, okay. And like, that's the new content, and Great. then it's a different ending. Um, yeah, The Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, um, really good. It's a difficult game, I think, to play a ton of all at once because it's so like narratively dense,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, there's
1: so much talking. Usually, by the time you do one or two endings, you're like, okay, I'm done with this, but. Definitely would recommend it to everyone. Yeah. Um, another thing I would recommend to everyone, which is not a video game. Okay. But um, do yourself a favor. Go on to Netflix if you still uh, subscribe and or mooch off your parents. Mm-hmm. Go up to that search bar and type in R, R, R. You and, watch that? Uh, okay. Watch the movie R, 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 which is a Telugu movie. Uh-huh. Um from India and is a goddamn delight. It is okay. it is an incredible, incredible movie. It's, um, it's three hours, because every movie from India is at least three hours. Right. Um, but it just has these huge, over-the-top action sequences and, like, a great dance number, and it's just totally big and delightful and crazy and just a ton of fun. So get people together and watch RRR, like... This was my first experience actually with a uh, Hindi like this the one on Netflix is trans is dubbed in Hindi and then gives you subtitles right but it's my first experience with an Indian movie and like it was really good and fun and the production values hold up really well. It's it's already, I think it's one
0: of the most successful Indian films of all time, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I work with a lot of people from India in my job, and that's been kind of uh, a, a frequent topic of conversation, so I'm glad to hear an endorsement of it. I've, yeah. been, I've been hearing like more and more people are sort of discovering
1: it and being like, this thing is great. It, so, it's really fun. I think you would totally dig it, Steve.
0: Okay, all yeah. right, all right. I think I'm going to make some time for that, because yeah. I, I, I keep hearing it's a lot of fun. Um, as for me, yeah, I, like I said, I've been traveling and, uh, kind of visiting the parents and everything. So there was a lot of downtime where I could just play a lot of games, which is nice to just like play games that weren't for the show. Sure. So I got kind of caught up. I just brought my switch with me and just downloaded some stuff. So firstly, uh, a game that I got pretty much for free because I had, it was on heavy sale and I had a lot of like points saved oh, up sure, on my sure, switch sure. account uh i'm i'm trying to dip back into xcom 2 uh, oh i love xcom 2 i've tried to get into it Oof. a few times and but this one was uh it was seven dollars for uh the full game plus all the dlc i mean are you playing it on the switch i'm playing on the like, switch
1: that sounds a little rough to me you know it's but. not
0: it's not that bad it's not that bad. it's it's nice to have it portable and it's nice to have all the content yeah and with my points i think i paid 20 cents for that entire, sure uh,
1: that entire suite of yeah. games so I've been dipping into that a little bit. I love XCOM too. That might be one of my favorite games of all time. Okay, like, all I, right. I, I, the, I love how much customization it gives you, and just how well it works.
0: The the XCOM before that was definitely like a favorite of mine. Like I played that one a lot, uh, and this one for whatever reason, maybe it's just sequelitis or, or you know, when you know sometimes like uh, you you hear a debut album from uh, yeah. an artist and you're like. Oh, man, the, nothing else after this is going to quite measure up yep. to the feeling I
1: got pl- like listening to
0: it the first time. Maybe it's that. but Yeah,
1: I can see that. Like, yeah. usually the first sort of introduction to a series or a genre that really clicks with you is the one that kind of is your favorite and is hard to over, overthrow. But I felt like XCOM 2 added so much. Another
0: game I got into, uh, which, you know, I've, I'm the last person in the world to finally uh, uh, play this It's one, called but Super Mario Brothers. Have you heard, have you heard of this guy? Th- this thing's good. Yeah. This thing's good. Uh, no, I'm playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, oh, you're which, ahead of me. Yeah, I I uh, was playing it with my nieces and nephews. Ooh, so I'm like, all right, niece and all right, this game. is this looks fun. Yep. So I downloaded it for myself. That game is fantastic. Is it? It okay. is a fantastic platformer. It's probably the best uh, Kirby game
1: out there. Nice. Uh,
0: just lots of really creative
1: use it. Kirby very consistently like uh, six out of ten kind of games that's, like that's K- always Kirby's been very my reliable experience. like never He's bad games but never, never bad, like, but great ones
0: they're they're always just so like insubstantial they're kind of gone before you're you're you know done playing it they're out of your mind yep. but this one like I've already beaten the main game and then there's like a whole other game uh that ups the challenge and provides an entirely different strategy it's not just like new game plus it's an entirely different game that's, that's cool. added on to it there's lots of little bonus features it's just a lot of fun and it's this game's full 3d right it's full 3d it's it's kind of like mario odyssey style with kirby um and there's all kinds of weird mouth powers where it, the the gimmick is that kirby can't absorb these things but he can wrap his supple little body around Oof. it so like <laughs> He's mouthing a car. Oh, you're getting me hot. I know. It's a little creepy, but he's he's got a whole car in his mouth, but he's still, like, he's not swallowing it, but he's controlling. It's so weird. It's kind of <laughs>
1: off-putting, but, like... Does it's, Kirby move faster? That was kind of... The idea of 3D Kirby is a little weird to me because yeah. like, he feels like he's so slow as a character. He moves a little Mario. faster,
0: and also some of his copy abilities give him the ability to move faster. Okay. Like uh, the ice ability lets you kind of skate over everything oh, or, nice. or things like that, or a tornado ability makes you dash forward. So uh, highly recommend that. Okay, and then the out. last thing I was playing is something that I've... Uh, started in the past and never really gave a fair shake, but I got really, really into it this time. And that is Hollow Knight.
1: Oh, Uh, very
0: cool kind of blend of, uh, Soulsborne, uh, and, uh, 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 roguelike and Metroidvania, all of the different buzzword. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, the
0: categories of video games yep. it's all present in hollow Knight. it's really gorgeous it's very challenging and uh i'm really enjoying it a lot like okay. it's just kind of a fun world to explore so it's,
1: it's clicked for you because we've talked about it before like i'm in the same boat I've yeah. tried hollow Knight before and i'm like this just doesn't work for me even though it should that's
0: the thing but... yeah it I finally like it, if you just sit with it a little bit and kind of get on its level and accept that it's going to be a bit more of a challenge than your average like metroid game uh Then you could really get on board with it. Like uh, I, I would definitely recommend sticking it out and giving that another
1: try. I think I have a lot of trouble because it's like a this big sort of you know maze, Metroidvania type thing, but it's all in black and white. And I, it's all in black and white. I just know I'm gonna get so lost.
0: And navigation is not like handed to you no. like it is in metroid games like you need to buy little tokens to like fill out your map you need to buy a compass if you want to see where you are on the map <laughs> so like in, in many ways for you it's your worst nightmare sure. but like once you get some of those upgrades it's navigationally a to challenged play. exactly yeah yeah you've got directional insanity as they say, <laughs> in uh, uh, the good place but yeah i've been i been getting a lot of game time lately nice. which is great Glad to hear which it. is great All right, let's talk a little bit about our game today, Watch Dogs. This was released November 18th, 2014. It was developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. And it was also released on PS3, 360, PS4, Xbox One, Windows, and everyone's favorite, Stadia. (laughs) All right, so most of the games that we've been playing lately have been kind of smaller games made with small teams and small budgets. Your Runbows, your your, uh, Tumble Stones, your Tank Tank Tanks. Uh, or is it Tanks, Tanks, Tanks? I think it was Tank, Tanks. It's tank. like Attorneys General. Um, but Watch Dogs is not one of those games. No. Watch Dogs is uh, a, a huge international development team with more than a thousand people, a final budget of more than $68 million to make this game. That still doesn't make it the most expensive video game around. I think that's still LA Noir. Really? Um, yeah, I believe that's a $200 million game.
1: Weird. Yeah. Just because of the voice acting behind it? The or? voice acting
0: and, like, the production value and and recreating Los Angeles in such
1: exacting detail the way they did. And then just, like, Rockstar is expensive. yeah I guess an odd thing is that, like, video game development in some ways could get cheaper. Mm-hmm. Because they're able to do more with, like, less technology. You know, like, the idea of recreating Los Angeles... It, it would have been very into because LA Noir is a pretty old game at this point.
0: Yeah, it's 2009. Something yeah, like that. and yeah, yeah. so
1: like the ability to sort of recreate a whole city now is probably somewhat passe in, <laughs> yeah. in games.
0: Well, and there was a lot of research with that game because they were also trying to recreate LA from the 1940s mm, and try and okay. get it as specific and accurate as possible. But uh, yeah, weird game, LA Noir. Uh, interesting, interesting kind of footnote. But yes, yeah, so this game uh, development began in earnest in 2009 with a small team of about 10 developers, and it was originally being considered as a sequel or possibly a spinoff to the Driver series, uh, a mm. series I've never played. I but think there's only
1: three or four games in that series. It sort of peaked around, I think like three of them are for PS1.
0: I just remember so. the third one is called Drive 3-er, yeah, and uh, that always drives me crazy. It's like 7 and It drivers uh, you crazy. Yeah, it drivers me crazy. Um, but yeah, so Ubisoft sends the potential for kind of an Assassin's Creed level, original IP hit with this kind of basic idea.
1: Let's, I want to back up just a second here and talk about Ubisoft because somewhere along the line, like Ubisoft is never like a company I think of very much as having like brands that I care about or like IP that I'm really excited about, Mm. um, the way I do with like Capcom or Konami or Nintendo, but like. Somewhere along the line, like, Ubisoft became one of the biggest game manufacturers, like, by far. They're gigantic, And yeah. I don't know, because I sort of associate them with, like, Rayman and stuff initially, and not really, like, huge games. And then was it Assassin's yeah. Creed? And, like, when did that come out? 2006? That was, yeah, 2006. I think that that was kind of... The tipping point, I think,
0: because that game was such a huge success that I think it kind of brought them up to almost EA levels or they might even be bigger than EA at this point.
1: The idea of like, we're going to sort of make these giant, giant triple A games that are like seek to appeal to everyone. Yeah. And And that's they haven't really looked back.
0: No, no, I mean, I mean, and even some of their existing franchises have been expanded to be to kind of fit that mode. So like the Far Cry series. Oh, really yeah, exactly. Now. Immortals was a recent like original IP of theirs that I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. You know, and like and then,
1: Far Cry, when it came out, as was just like uh, it was a good PC shooter. Yeah. Um, with, On a tropical island. But you're right. They definitely expanded it to be like, all right, this is going to be huge, like a huge world now. Yeah.
0: And I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Like I, I I'm impressed by Ubisoft and their ability to kind of create these massive massive games because i think this is sort of emblematic of this period of them just having some dramatic expansion and being able to create a game like this out of whole cloth that is arriving like feeling like it is an event you know yeah. like uh, in the same way like a big movie
1: would be they almost yeah they almost remind me of like marvel movies of the video game world mm-hmm. in the sense of like they have a formula yeah um but they're able to kind of plug in different sort of tones and you know, gameplay mechanics into that formula, so it still feels like you're playing a Ubisoft game. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of you know, everyone's got their own little favorite, their own their own tweaks that work for them. And I mean, can... my
0: favorite is always pressing the skip button when they try to get me to sign up for their UPlay. <laughs> yeah, <So>
1: that's, <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite mini game. That's the in that's Ubisoft the United game. the United uh, force of Ubisoft, which is it's...
0: one of those things like. It, it does tangibly give you, like, some benefits in-game. Like, it is, it makes sense to sign up for this thing. I am just opposed to signing up for anything in a it,
1: game. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially a We've, separate achievement system. And as discussed, we are uh, tired of remembering passwords.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, could, I have to save all my hacking for, like, controlling an entire city.
1: Well, know? that's the big irony of this game in general is because this game is, like, about big data yeah, yeah which yeah. is a cool thing to be about right but like ubisoft is not really the kind of company that is in a position to make a statement about big data they are <laughs> like, kind of on uh, the other side
0: of that yeah, debate exactly one argue.
1: yeah yeah
0: so it's, it's like interesting... hey sign
1: up for Uplay play so we can track how <laughs> much uh how many hacks you make in this game <laughs> right.
0: yeah yeah there's a little bit of a disconnect there all right, So this game was officially announced in 2012 under the working title Nexus and the ambitious kind of elevator pitch that they had when I they like were promoting like Nexus more than Watch Dogs. I think I maybe. do too. Watch but, Dogs is kind of a weird name. But Nexus is also maybe a little too vague. It yeah. doesn't really tell you what you're doing.
1: Well, it's just Watch Dogs. I, I don't think yeah, there's any dogs in this game.
0: I haven't noticed any dogs. Yeah. Not yet. Maybe that comes later. Okay. Maybe it That's turns the last into like That's a, the last boss. Yeah, it turns into a dead to write sequel like <laughs> later on. Um, so yeah, the the the, the kind of elevator pitch that they were giving to uh reporters at the time was this is a game that lets you control an entire city at the touch of a button mm-hmm. which yeah yeah kind of yeah you know yeah i mean not quite as uh f- f- wide ranging as they imply there i but mean yeah, that's that what sim city do. does yeah exactly <laughs> so ubisoft created a sophisticated new game engine called disrupt which promised the ability to significantly affect environments you know so that was kind of the big okay. thing that they were building this off of so for the setting, they decided to use a fictionalized version of Chicago. So this isn't map perfect like L.A. Noir. Uh They claimed that having actual landmarks in here would have tripled the budget thanks okay. to like artistic license rights and things like that, which you don't really think about. But huh. yeah. So and this already had a pretty huge budget. Uh, Chicago was chosen because it's simultaneously one of the richest and poorest cities in the country, as well as one of the most surveilled with more security cameras per capita than any other major American city. I didn't know that. So, kind of makes it uh, an interesting dynamic here. So, to give the game, uh, the in game hacking, a sense of authenticity, The developers collaborated with cybersecurity firms and members of hacktivist groups like Anonymous to get the right feel. So the in-game OS is based on a real-life thing called SCADA, which is a supervisory control and data acquisition system. And the story of this was inspired by real-life cyber-terrorist attacks going back to 2012 or 2010, uh, including uh, there was a a malicious worm called Stuxnet, which was used to sabotage nuclear weapons programs in Iran. Pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, since Ubisoft had near limitless marketing coffers, uh, they pushed watchdogs really hard with promotional contests, viral marketing, documentaries, graphic novels, art books, all of this before the game actually came out. Right. I definitely remember seeing a big push for this. Like this was really really heavily hyped lots of tv spots lots of things like that
1: uh, um I that's always a way to get me a little cranky about a game like yeah. I was not particularly excited to play this game because and maybe this is just a personal grudge against ubisoft but I always feel like things kind of go in that I don't like it when like something is like hyped as like this is going to be the next big thing you know, like you sort get, of get let ready, it unfurl, like yeah.
0: like Elden Ring, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah.
1: have it come out, and then like the word of mouth kind of grows, and people are like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Where it was kind of like Ubisoft was just forcing that hype of, yeah, this is it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think I tend to kind of uh, push back against that as well, especially because. I don't know the the aesthetic of
1: this didn't initially grab no, this me. Is a so very I, this is this is my first time looking, playing. I didn't yeah. I
0: did not get on board with Watch
1: Dogs when it first came. This out. is a very bland looking game. Like your character, yeah. Um, I mean, it looks good. Like it's graphically looks it looks great. It, for it looks 2014. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's very bright and your main character design like. You know, the character design in Assassin's Creed, like, that guy looks awesome. He
0: does. Yeah, um, that hood is so distinctive. Yeah, like, even, whereas, Regardless of who's under it, yeah.
1: Is here, your guy just kind of looks like a generic white dude in a trench coat. His name is Aiden. Aiden, which, yeah. Yeah, which and is sometimes he of... wears a bandana over his face.
0: Yeah, yeah, like a cool guy. <laughs> uh, one of their promotions uh, literally backfired. Uh, in an attempt to provide some fun promotional swag, Ubisoft sent reviewers copies of the game in a collectible safe with a card containing instructions on how to open it. So kind Cute. of like a little puzzle thing. However, one Australian outlet didn't get the memo about this, and uh, they just received a mysterious safe <laughs> with like, some kind of hackery-looking uh, notes attached sure. to it. So they called the Bomb Squad, yep. who came in and destroyed the safe. That's funny. Uh, which uh, Ubisoft did apologize for this goof. But um, but all of this promotion did pay off. Watchdogs broke records for the most pre-ordered original IP of all time. And it sold more than 10 million copies, including a record-breaking run in the UK, where it actually spurred a 94% increase in PS4 sales.
1: Wow. Uh, just to get in this game. system seller.
0: So uh, a DLC story expansion called Bad Blood was released in 2014, and the game was followed up with two sequels. Uh, Watchdog 2 came out in 2016, played pretty similar to the original, and it had a different main character, okay. I believe. And then 2020's Watchdogs Legion tried to mix things up. They had this interesting system in this where... There isn't one main character. You just kind of keep swapping between NPCs. So oh. you can basically take control of anybody in the game at any time it's and like they all geist. have different Yeah, yeah, and they all just have different like skills and abilities. So like you can be like a, a super badass like police officer or like
1: a club bouncer and then you can switch to a little old lady. That sounds interesting but not conducive to being a very good game. It's it sounds like chaotic yeah Yeah. it sounds chaotic i'm I'm very difficult to have much of a narrative
0: yeah and i didn't read reviews of that at the time when it came out i remember like people were talking about this system and saying like oh this is really weird and
1: interesting but i don't know how
0: well it plays i
1: don't know these kind of games always baffle me because like as you were talking about like how many copies this game sold like it was a big hit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I have never, like, this game has never come up in conversation with, like, this game's eight years old at this point. Yeah. It's never just naturally come up, like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I've been playing Watch Dogs. That's the thing. You're like, where did all these copies go that everyone bought, and, like, this game got pretty good reviews, and it's like... It just feels totally forgotten, even though there's been two more sequels. And like, I'm sure yeah. those sold a ton of copies, too. But. They
0: must have. Like, I didn't even register when Watch Dogs 2 came out. Right. Like, it just didn't even like I, I I looked at the cover. I'm like, this does not look familiar to me at all. Like, I think I just my eyes glazed over it. And I think maybe like I was very uh, overloaded with open world games around yeah. this time. There were a lot of them, including other Ubisoft games. And I'd already kind of. You know, I was already in the pocket for Assassin's Creed. Sure. And so I'm like, do I need another one? Do I need another Assassin's Creed right now? Like, if they keep putting out Assassin's Creeds every year, like, do I need a different one?
1: What well, almost feels like Ubisoft has put themselves in a position for a lot of these where they're almost competing with their self.
0: Yeah. Because,
1: like, they make their games so, so huge and so full of content. Like, I've talked to people who like play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I'm going to like unlock everything. And then like Valhalla came out and they're like, I don't need that because I'm still going through Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which yeah. is such a huge game.
0: And Valhalla is like one of the games I've spent the most time with ever. Like, right. because it's just so expansive and it kind of doesn't really end. It just sort of keeps going. Right. Right. Uh, you know, so, and also, like, the other important thing that was out around this time was Grand Theft Auto V. That was only about a year old at this point, okay. and people As people are still now. playing it yeah. now. Like, it's still being used to sell systems now. So,
1: I have a question, and yeah. I'm going to
0: sound like a doofus. Okay.
1: Have you played Grand Theft Auto V? I have. Is it good? It's fine. It's I prefer 4. It's just um, so weird. Like, that's another thing. It's just, like, this is the, like, the except the for Minecraft, game. like, yeah. this is, like, the most popular game in history, and, like, I've just never had like the slightest bit of engagement to be like this is what I want to play. Did you get into any of the other GTAs? No, I've never
0: actually liked GTA. Okay, it's, yeah. Then this they won't be for you. Yeah. Uh, I think GTA 5 kind of uh I bumped up against it because it it has a lot more like edge lordy humor uh, okay. than I think GTA 4 yeah. did. GTA 4 was going for more of a Scorsese thing and this one's just very like Edge lordy and kind of anti-feminist and sort of it's got some kind of gross stuff in it
1: well let's talk about open world games for a little bit because that's that's always something that i have bumped against too because you're right this was sort of an era where everything was open world and everything sort of kept growing and what i struggle with with watchdog specifically um is that it's amazing how many different things are in this game like yeah You can, you know, there's platforming, there's driving, there's cover shooting, there's RPG elements. And, like, they all work, like, pretty good and are well-polished, but it's, like, these games that sort of seek to be everything for everybody Mm -hmm. are something I always struggle with because no moment of it feels particularly impressive. It's, like the cover shooting seems much less exciting than like a Gears of War where the whole where emphasis that's focus. is on the cover shooting and the driving is less exciting than like a Midnight Club or a Burnout. Yeah. Because like, it's just kind of in there to function in the game. And like, I feel like these Ubisoft games are very much built around people. And I'm not, this is not a criticism. It's just not what I'm interested in. Like people who only want to be playing one game at a time sure who's like i it, the way you know when we grew up we used to play games where you get a game and you just play the hell out of it mm. and then you move on to the next game and like this would be a good game for that
0: you just good and conquer blasto and then you just yeah. move on yeah. yeah yeah
1: exactly because it's like this is the one game I want to play. So, like, I, this is the only game I'm getting until my birthday, three months from now. Sure. And so, I want tons of content. I would like to be able to drive. I like to be able to explore all these different environments. But I feel like it's kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. And like, the story, all the stories I feel like in open world games often struggle as well because like, you're you're paced out, like, it's like you can sort of go and advance the story whenever you want. Yeah. And you might spend a bunch of time just, like, dicking around with a comm tower or something. And so, like, the there's never a big sense of narrative push.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a languid sort of thing, you know, where some games like Fallout handle that a little bit better because it is, like, this teeming world and you're supposed to be kind of being pulled in all these different directions. So, like, uh, in this one where it is sort of it's got a movie like narrative, you know, it's got a uh, it's going for kind of a Michael Mann. vibe. Well, Tell us you know? a little about the story. Yeah. OK, so your character is a guy named Aiden Pierce. Uh, again, very boring name for yep. your hero. Uh, he's a skilled hacker and a thief. And this game takes place in this fictionalized version of Chicago. It's mostly just referred to as Windy City, but it's Chicago. OK, and Michael, Michael Jordan shows up a little bit. To
1: a little fight, b- fight against the chaos. There's some chaos yeah. there. Yeah. uh, Wouldn't it be funny if this game was called Watchdogs: Chaos in the Windy City? (laughs) I would
0: be so happy if it was. And you just, like, throw basketballs at people who try to hack you. Uh, So recently the city has adopted this groundbreaking new network called the CTOS, or the Central Operating System, that allows for an unprecedented level of connectivity across devices citywide. And so Aiden and his... uh, Band of thieves are taking advantage of this. So at the game's outset, Aiden and his mentor Damien are attempting a risky cyber heist, and they trigger an alarm and have to flee. Aiden gathers his family and attempts to escape, but he is pursued by a hitman and driven off the road, and this results in the death of Aiden's six-year-old niece. Okay. So one year later, Aiden returns to Chicago vowing revenge on the assassin that killed his uh, niece and his paths cross with members of a hacking collective called DeadSec, which is determined to expose corruption from a megatech company called Bloom. Um, you know, so like it, I think that the story here is generally pretty well acted. It's yep. pretty well presented. It's got this kind of like high octane sort of Jason Bourne adventure style. Couple of big problems with it. First, we've already kind of touched on it. Aiden Pierce is a deeply unlikable <laughs> lead character. He he's just kind of mopey. He's just kind of uh, navel gazy and a sociopath, and just not very. Well, he just doesn't engaging. have a
1: very identifying personality. No, he, he's not like you know Max Payne or something. Another sort of mopey character. But sure. Like, the but... voice acting and writing of Max Payne makes you sort of be engaged by him
0: yeah and here he's just sort of like a a, a net negative he's just yeah. a nothing you know um and sometimes he's kind of creepy you know like you're walking around like just hacking everybody you know and he's he's talking in these hushed tones just like well that's you that's, don't really want to be involved with this
1: guy that's the weird thing about this game is like th- it has sort of i mean you a gray morality but also not r- like the game wants you to think that this corporation is evil. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, it kind of wants you to think like you're the good guy. Cause you're sort of fighting to overthrow this corporation. That's stealing everyone's data. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know,
0: you're like a 99% type, you know, yeah, like
1: you're, but, you're
0: supposed to be a hero of the people,
1: but then there's very much just like GTA elements of, you can just like run dudes over Yeah, as you're walking by civilians. Like you can just steal money from their ATM. <laughs> yeah. And like I did a lot. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's honestly, like, it's pretty goofy. Like, I'm not saying that it's not a bummer when your six-year-old niece is killed by a hitman. We've all been there. Ugh. It's a real downer. That yeah, was a bad day. I know. Yeah. But, like, this guy, you you literally walk up to the ATM and you just withdraw $17,000. Yeah. And it's like, all right, if you are in this position, maybe you should just go, you know, live your life somewhere else and, like, just, just, I don't know, buy a new niece. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> Um. <laughs> Just get a Robo niece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can probably hack one together.
0: Um. I think my my other big problem with this story is that uh, the Ubisoft doesn't really seem to in, impart any kind of opinion on this. Right. Like this feels like something that is kind of politically loaded, right? Yes. You are you are uh, an underdog taking on the system. You know, there's a world where we're all over connected. We're also reliant on our phones. Like this should be about cyber security it yes. should be about like how scary that kind of thing is and um, this game doesn't really have an opinion one way or the well, other that's it's, it's trying to walk the line so much because of this like morality like reputation system in this it's supposed to like make you make up your own mind
1: and that's the fundamental disconnect between this being a ubisoft game and that being the theme of the game like mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that would work well from a story perspective in like a really small indie game like you know, Cogmind or something like that, sure. where there's nothing like, they're not, they're not worried about like pissing off investors or something who are like part of these big, it doesn't feel weird for like, here it would like, if that was their opinion of like big data is a problem, like it might be weird for them to like advertise on Facebook, which yes. I'm sure they did. And so like, the idea is they can never quite make a statement of like these aspects of corporate oversight and big data are bad. Right. Well, you're trying to sign up where they're forcing you to sign up for you play. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, these are kind of, this game would be better if it did have some sort of opinion or was angrier about the situation. But that would kind of only work if it was a smaller indie game, not this huge multi-million dollar budget game. Exactly.
0: And it just feels like a missed opportunity, you know? Like, it feels like... I I like it when games can be political and when they have an opinion and when they have, like something that they're trying to say. Right. And this just feels kind of like, look at these cool toys we have.
1: But that's very much just like media in general is like the amount, as the budget goes up, like I saw, do you see the new Top Gun movie? Yes. It, it was fun. It, it was, was great. Go, good I really liked it. But the thing that's goofy about it is they're like, we have to fight this rogue country that has like. That's never identified. That's never, never identified. Never once identified. And it's like, okay, why is that? It's because like you can't, you can't really have an opinion on anything or identify any real problem because you essentially risk alienating someone or right. And you know,
0: ultimately, it doesn't matter who the bad guys are; they're just like you know black hats. Yeah, you know, they're like they right. So to
1: it, it's very much like a movie just about like look at all these cool toys that we did with our budget, right? And like Watchdogs is very much the same thing. It's like they're using these ideas as kind of a jumping off point to like, to set their world somewhere to have some hook yeah. for the game, but they're not actually interested in the, the politics saying anything about
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it it's, and similar to like the new Top Gun, like it, that's not what it's going for. Right. And that's not what this game is going for, but it also feels like this has all the trappings of like something that's politically loaded and yep. provocative. And it just kind of skirts that line in yep. a way that I find frustrating. That being said, let's talk about how this game actually plays. So this is an open-world game a la GTA or Assassin's Creed. And the big hook, of course, is your ability to manipulate your environment at will using your smartphone. You've got this little uh, smartphone that uh, connects to the everything. CTOS it and everything. to everything. So you can hack into security cameras and look around. You can hack into an ATM and steal money. You can blow up a, a fuse box you to can, like, cause a distraction. A guard
1: might have a grenade on their belt, and you can hack into their grenade and just explode it, which is that's <laughs> it's, cool. It's, it's
0: his own fault for getting Wi-Fi on his grenade. You sure. Know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. He has got to play Angry Birds he's on he's his gotta grenade. He's got to check his Facebook on his grenade. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can you can sabotage enemy equipment. You can do a lot of stuff. Um the the most fun I had in this game is probably the most morally dubious stuff that you can do. But at any point, you can just press the Y button and you'll turn on profiling mode on your phone, which is kind of creepy in its own way sure. and also isn't commented on. But anyway, when you turn that on, it's going to show you uh, the names, uh, the ages, and some identifying feature of every single NPC on the street. Pretty cool. Yeah. And there's very little like uh, uh, repeating that I've noticed Like when you're running around. So you can see, like,
1: oh, this person... That uh, would be a weird job, wouldn't it, to work for Ubisoft and be like, all right, there's 2,000, like, nameless NPCs just walking around the city. Come up with a name yeah. and, and a, a sort of one piece of identifying information for all of them. And you just spend yeah. your days being like, John Adams, named after second president. <laughs> Henry Ford, Loves. rabid anti-Semite. Uh, right. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they they have things like that. And some of it is like... You know, oh, this person uh, just got back from vacation. Others are like, this person, uh, you know, is Canadian. This, this person, person is, is asexual. Asexual, yeah. They do. They specify yeah. things like that. Like, so there, there's a lot of information there. Um, every once in a while, you'll find a person whose phone isn't protected, and you can press and hold the Y button, and you can hack them, and that way you can either steal money from them, uh, which it's always like a lot of money too. It's always like three, 000, four thousand dollars. Uh, which you can then claim at the ATM.
1: What What does money even do for you? You can buy guns. Oh, um, sure. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I mean, think guns and cars. That's accurate. That's I but, mean, that's what money does for us in this country. It's
0: true. It's true. You uh, You You have the ability to like have a car delivered to you at any time Cute. from like your contact, and so sometimes you can steal car information from people as you walk around. You can steal music that you can play on your radio later. And sometimes you can identify crimes that are going down. And so if you find something that looks like a potential crime, you can go to the location, scope it out, and then you can intervene.
1: Also weird, like like that makes sense in the Spider-Man game because like, yeah. that's what Spider-Man does. But it's weird here that you're just like walking around stealing uh, people's, you know, f- from their ATM and then be like, oh, there's a crime over there. I better stop. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second, we're... Aren't you the criminal? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel, I feel like, uh, yeah. Maybe why are you you're concerned about there. this?
0: Yeah, but you're you're protecting people, and then that will increase your reputation, and that's kind of this game's morality meter. You have, a, <laughs> you can go range from like protector to enemy or something like that, and like if you are if you have a high enough reputation then you'll get some perks like people will not call the cops on you when you steal their car, <laughs> That's uh, which is just kind of a weird thing. But <clears throat> if you have a low reputation, then you'll get flagged more easily. And, uh, you know, so it's in your best interest to solve these crimes and do good and not run over civilians. Sure. Um,
1: but again, mu- much like uh, a GTA or something, eventually you'll just kind of get bored and sick of it and accidentally run over, start running over some civilians and then just try to escape the cops for a
0: while. It's true. It's like, true. <laughs> I mean, in true Ubisoft fashion, there are lots of little, like, hubs where you can uh, you can go in, like, similar to the towers in Assassin's Creed, where, like, you that'll open up a new portion of the map, it'll connect you to all this different right. section of the city, and you can see different events that you can take on.
1: I mean, there's very much just, like, a set, like, core elements of open world games that have just been steadily growing, Yeah, and, like, a lot of it is, like, those towers, because they're in Spider-Man, they're in Breath of the Wild. Yeah.
0: And I, I admit, those are catnip for me. I'm like, yeah. ooh, I want to go find the towers and unlock this next part of the map, you know? Like, uh, yeah, lots of little stuff to do all throughout the game. There's little AR video games that you can jump into. There's uh, little bonus missions you can take on, driving missions. There's lots of little uh, locations you can find with, like, a Foursquare-style app where you can just check in and get some detail on different
1: landmarks, uh, you know? Well, and as stuff I to said do. earlier, like, all of it is pretty functional, yeah. but only... I would only describe it as functional. You know what I mean? Like, sure. it, it's I, not... I
0: didn't feel compelled to play these little AR games.
1: You right. Know, like, and yeah. I, I, I'm not excited about the shooting, even though the shooting's not bad. It's no. not thrilling in of itself. It's like the gameplay here. And this is always the struggle I have with open world games is usually the gameplay is. Ra- the gameplay is rarely compelling enough to justify that on its own. Yeah. It's always about sort of the way everything fits in with each other. And it, often ends up feeling very box-checky of like yeah I'm going to go unlock the new tower cuz it's right next to me and so it would be convenient for me to do that but I'm not actually excited about doing it yeah um and cuz I think that the hook here that hacking hook is hack hook hack hook, hack hook. doesn't I don't know like it's very cool in theory um, and they give you a lot of stuff to interact with. Like, yeah. you could change traffic lights to, like, cause car accidents mm-hmm. and things like that. But it doesn't really work all that well. Like, again, it's functional. Like, you can stand on top of sort of, like, a gurney that you could press Y and it'll raise raise you up. You yeah. can unlock doors. Um but it seems like all you're doing is sort of holding Y to interact. It's just like this button interaction or like you blow up a fuse box and distract the guards. Yeah. Um. But I think it's uncommon that things actually like click in a satisfying way. And that's another thing with open world games is because nothing is really most things aren't really scripted. Yeah. There's not like some super cool moment of like you hacking the bridge and then like, jumping over it unless you kind of make it happen and things come together in that way
0: yeah i mean all that being said like i was impressed by some of the technology here the wii u chugs a little bit yeah. uh there was some frame rate issues especially when driving and driving was kind of the low light of yep. the whole game for me i just felt like the cars weren't all that responsive they felt kind of sluggish but there are moments where like the world really feels living yeah which is a very cool like for what a good example is i was driving a car, like, the wrong way down a street <laughs> through a tunnel, and cars coming the other way were flashing their lights at me, mm. like, kind of indicating that, like, you're in the wrong lane, yeah. you're in the wrong... Like, that's a cool little touch yeah. that I really appreciate, and
1: I'm glad that they did that. Like Yeah, and this is an impressive port job to the Wii U. Like, yeah. I imagine that this was designed with, you know, PS4 and that generation in mind. Which, um,
0: again, feels like a missed opportunity, because here you have a system that is built with... An additional little uh, smart device that you play the game with, and it doesn't really enter into the gameplay here at all. It's your map screen for most of it, or you can also play the entire game off TV. Like, uh, so that feels like a missed opportunity. I know a lot of developers were not developing specifically for the Wii U, especially at this time, but this feels like it could have had a little bit more integration with that that technology. Like, it feels like that would just kind of be a natural. That that that's a gimme. That's a slam dunk right there. Um. Yeah, like I said, my, the, the most fun I had in the game was just kind of wandering around hacking people, yep. which is morally dubious as hell, but I <laughs> was still enjoying that part. I did find um, there there's a combination of words that I thought I would absolutely hate, which is stealth driving. Okay. Uh, and I actually found that this worked pretty well, and it was pretty tense and uh, exciting. It was kind of similar to, it was definitely inspired by um, the movie Drive, okay. you know, like where you're trying to evade police. and, and So just how, kind of, how does stealth driving work? Basically, you have this grid that's shown on the map of like uh, different police barricades, helicopters, car patrol cars that are going past, and you're basically hired to help a fugitive escape this location. And so you need to kind of plan your map, your route out, go through some back alleys, avoid different areas. And at any time, you can press A to hide in your car, which means you'll just turn off your lights, turn off your engine, and you'll just kind of duck down. Okay. And you can wait until the car drives past, uh, which was pretty clever, I thought. Like, and it's an interesting way to kind of uh, integrate that idea.
1: I mean, I think it's a real testament to like the quality of work that Ubisoft does that this game has so many mechanics and none of them feel broken. I mean, we've played many games that only have a couple mechanics yeah. and like those feel broken. Yeah. And like here, this game really does, has a little of everything and like even though the, the driving isn't stellar, but no. like it all works pretty well.
0: It's it's pretty cool how many of these systems can be executed with just a single button. Yeah. Like I think they, they really go... To lengths to streamline it, even though like this is a game with a lot going on and it can be feel a little cluttered. Like there's a there's an RPG like kind of skill point level progression thing, which those are so hit and miss with me. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes like it it sounds petty, but sometimes it just breaks down to like, all right, how is this being presented to me? Is this being presented in an easy to understand way? Like Spider Man is a good example. Easy to understand this level progression thing. It tells you exactly. It's laid out in this grid. I hate it when it goes overly elaborate with its presentation, which I think this game does. A it's like
1: bit,
0: yeah. all these different quadrants DNA with like strands.
1: DNA strands yeah. breaking off and everything. I'm just like, all right, well, I don't, I'm not interested, and perhaps not. I don't know, like not a thing that's bad by any means, but maybe an element to the game that doesn't need to be there. It's yeah. like some of the elements here, you're like. This isn't. I don't have a problem with this, but are you just adding complexity without making the game any more fun? And at, at its similar core, to like
0: the online capability that they have here, which allows other players to hack into your game and try and steal money from you, and you need to locate the hacker and take them out before they can complete their like theft. Right. Because you know? like,
1: at its core, like with all of the extra stuff that's going on in this game, and just like these, you know, huge we don't play a lot of like these huge giant budget games on this show because there wasn't a ton of them for the Wii U. No. Um, but like, there's a lot of games like this now. And it's something I always struggle with of like, you have all of these tons of crazy extra features and you do so much here to really let people dive into the game. But at its core, you're still just spending your time with the gameplay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is yeah. so like, if you're only no matter how many weapons you have in your game or different cars, you're still only as good as your shooting and driving mechanics are, yeah, and here um again, good just not great, and um, I think
0: that's why, like I think that's why this game hasn't really been in the zeitgeist. like I think if it had been terrible, we'd be remembering it more. If right. it had been great, we'd be remembering it more. It's just kind of like across the board, pretty solid. Like, yeah. it's good at everything it's trying to do. It's just not great at anything, yeah. any one element in particular. I agree. Um, so, which which is a, a mediocre kind of way to review the game, but also,
1: like, that's, that's also, the level it's at. Also, perhaps the type of game that ages the worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because in 2014, it was probably could be considered great at all of those things.
0: But now you have a new Assassin's Creed every year. That's like upping the ante and like refining those systems and everything like that. So open world games like this are hard to go back to. Yeah. Like even if they've got some cool ideas under the, under the hood here. Um, do you have anything else to say about Watch Dogs? No, I'm ready to move on to the rankings. Let's move on to our rankings. Uh each week we are ranking the games that we have just played. Where are you putting Watch Dogs?
1: Um I you know, even though I feel like we've had a slightly negative tone here, I I don't mean that. Um no, like I'm I, putting I, it number 20. Okay. Um which is right behind the Cars 3 game, a game that was more fun in driving. Yeah. Um and ahead of Jeopardy. Yeah. All right. Um if I was in 2014, and this was the game I would own. owned. I would probably play the hell out of it yeah. and have a good time with it. Um, I can't think of a lot of great reasons to go back and play this one now. Yeah. Because um, there's been, you know, so many big open-world games that, you know, even if just Ubisoft games, they yeah. could probably never get to this one. Um, it reminds me a lot of Deus Ex. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think Deus Ex is a game that has a more interesting aesthetic and feels more willing to kind of say something with its world. Yeah. But this game is much more user friendly than Deus Ex. I it's, think that's it's not
0: as frustrating.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's weird because, I, I again, yeah, I feel like we've just been kind of criticizing everything this game does. But I, w- I do want to acknowledge this is very solid in what it does. Like, I think I was really kind of getting into it by the end yeah. of it. Um, so I'm putting this at number 27. Okay. This is, uh, between Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Blacklist right above and, uh, Batman Arkham Origins right below. So kind of a nice little, uh, open worldy y action-y sandwich in there, yep. you know, totally respectable kind of game. I think there are some missed opportunities and I think it has been made a little bit redundant by, you know, the rest of other games in the genre, but like you still have to admire a lot of the things that it does accomplish and the simplicity with which it pulls off some of these pretty complicated ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, there were moments, like I said, there were moments where I'm just like, yeah, okay. I'm vibing with this. This is fun. And I just stole $17,000 from someone who's been divorced four times. Apparently. So, good,
1: good soundtrack also.
0: Good soundtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah. We didn't even mention that huge license soundtrack. Like, yeah, you can definitely see the money on the screen, like for sure. Like, uh, so that was Watch Dogs. We have a couple of letters here Yay. today. Uh, this first one you are gonna love, Woody. Uh, hi, friends. I have wired you seventeen thousand dollars to Woody's <laughs> bank account. <laughs> it's been really cool hearing Woody enjoying the Steam Deck because that's actually a product I work on. Whoa! I was the lead developer on the Proton project from its inception in 2016 up until late last year when I was handed that when I handed that role off to a coworker. Proton is a core component of the Steam Deck that enables Windows games to run on its Linux operating you do, system. You did. Good work, man. It's been cool seeing the positive media attention to the project since the deck got announced. And then hearing one of my favorite podcasters talk about it and have a good experience has been an extra treat. Ooh. It's great hearing about people enjoying the results of the really hard work our team put into the project. And that is from Andrew. Whoa. So pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. super Andrew, cool. Andrew, yeah.
1: Big big I mean, you know, I'm sure that the money that Valve gives you is enough pat on the back, but I just want to say you guys made a great product. It's like it, it, it's pretty amazing. It may, you, you may have changed the landscape of gaming. Like wow. just in terms of like, well, because yeah. the Switch, you know, the Switch, I think, is safe to say has changed the landscape of gaming. Yeah. In terms of like what is handheld and not. And to be like, we're taking that same thing and we're giving you like full power like we're not throttling it down to the switch so yeah 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 so and protons worked really well for me so you're right i did love that letter it was great right
0: yeah i thought that was cool so thank you andrew for writing in with that uh this next one says hey guys miguel from australia here love the podcast you guys play off each other really well and you're the only podcast i regularly listen to nowadays even when you're covering the croods prehistoric party
1: (laughs) i know i simply can't miss it when we're covering the croods prehistoric party
0: (laughs) I wanted to comment on the Monster Hunter episode. You're 100% right. It doesn't work to be able to judge it after a few hours of play. It's a strange beast where it is almost essential to become absolutely absorbed in it to enjoy it. And it's a rare game series where you can have podcasts and content creators just fully devoted to the topic of monster hunting. And there's enough there to dive into. I initially bought Monster Hunter Try on Wii and gave up because I just couldn't get a grip on the combat. It wasn't until 10 years later, after a long gaming hiatus, that I picked up Monster Hunter Generations for the 3DS, since it was $9. (laughs) And again, after playing around and figuring out my style of play, that it clicked. But Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, for some reason, is the one that I love the most, even when it has so many things that seem like design flaws. In fact, while the combat is more fluid and fast and fun in later titles, with World and Rise being massive steps, they don't hook me to the same degree— the clunkiness of swinging around the great sword for sometimes 30 to 40 minutes to take down a single monster is addictive <laughs> and crazy satisfying. And the newer games, as fun as they are, make things easier and improve quality of life to the point where the feeling of progression isn't as present, at least for me.
1: I always think that's interesting is the idea of when... You win quality of life improvements, sort of get in the way of the identity of the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I always think that's interesting. Yeah,
0: I mean, you. I feel you feel yourself getting better, which wouldn't feel as good if it wasn't so clunky. I love the clunk. <laughs> it's hard to recommend these games again. It takes a lot of investment, and if it doesn't feel like if it doesn't feel like you like it, you probably won't. But Steve, if you feel like there's something there that you really would latch on to, I'd recommend Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on Switch. The downside with that is that it's absolutely overwhelming variety of weapons and armor and play styles. And once you find a style that clicks, it's worth it. And before you know, hundreds of hours have disappeared. Uh, On a slightly different note, I find that when I want to list my favorite games, Monster Hunter and things like Pokemon don't usually come to mind, even though these are the games that I've poured the most time into. These days, I find myself finishing lots of shorter games and working through a backlog rather than being really into a few core games. And while I love the variety of experiences, I miss the refreshing feeling of just playing for a few hours of an endless game to unwind. Maybe I had more fun playing less games. How do you guys feel? Keep up the good work. Uh, and P.S., I think the Murder Chicken wasn't a Kulu Yaku or a Yankudku, but instead a kurapeko.
1: Yeah, okay. that's the murder chicken that we were fighting in that game. Got it. It took me a while; my brain didn't catch up. And we're still talking Monster Hunter. It, it's Pardon. it's.
0: It, I, I think that is a good point. That like sometimes the games that you pour the most time into wouldn't really crack your top ten. Like I was thinking about that. Like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, probably yeah. a game I played uh, 150 hours <laughs> of. I don't think it would be in my top ten. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy it. Obviously, it's... like I kept playing it, but.
1: I think that the games that stick in our memories as like favorite games are ones that reach sort of a euphoric high Yeah. of there's this sort of moment. Like, I mean, I think a favorite game for both of us is Final Fantasy VI. I yeah. haven't played that game in a long time. Probably if I went back to it, there'd be a lot of elements that felt kind of sloggy. Yeah. Like as my, but like the times that I spent playing that game and when I was first introduced to it, even the simple things of like, okay, your party is divided into two groups, and like one of them is going down the river on this raft, and yeah. the other one, you know, is going to this castle. Like, my mind was so blown oh. by this like revelation that like, I can't, no game will like kind of reach that high again. And a lot of it, you know, he asked, like, is it better when we play fewer games? It's like, no, what it is, is it's better when you have have played fewer games and were younger and less jaded about things that you've seen. You know what I mean? Like
0: and similarly like sometimes like the same way of like reading a lot of books or watching a lot of movies like you. You appreciate the ones that really did something special because, you know, there are a lot of games that are just kind of content to exist well, you like watchdogs like, like watchdogs yeah. which is just kind of content to exist and and there are games that do things like really special and really unique that that will stick out with you more i also and i tend to it, it tends to be more of an emotional connection yeah. as well you know like again final fantasy 6 like the opera scene you know is a, a classic because it's so unlike the kind of thing you would see in a video game prior to that or just in this type of game you know you don't you don't take time to like pause and do something kind of beautiful and uh, uh, quiet like that. And know? I think
1: that, like, I think that a lot of people's favorite games sort of get cemented like between the ages of like 13 and 24. Yeah. Cause that's like, it's the same with music. Like, that is when your brain is sort of most malleable and sort of these new experiences click with you the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think it, so. It, it's pretty uncommon, I think, to have like a new game crack in you know later in life yeah it it certainly still happens i would say like enter the gungeon is one of my all-time favorite games and that game's not super old
0: no 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 there's Um, there's still there's still room for that but but either way thank you for writing in and for giving some more insight on monster hunter i think i have finally just kind of i I, i've accepted that i'm not gonna get into monster hunter i think i've just accepted like i i appreciate so much of what the game does but just the way i play games now and the way that i connect with games it's just it's not going to work for yeah, me. Yeah,
1: you're not really like, uh, I'm going to spend, you know, despite what you said about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you're yeah. not like, I'm going to spend tons of hours understanding all of these game systems type of guy. You're no, like, I, like, I want to like play having... through the story, move on to the next thing. Exactly. Yeah, I'll play through it until I'm satisfied with it and then I'll move on. Yeah. And that that's always tough. It's like, there are so many games out there that to be, because that seems to be the consensus on Monster Hunter. It's like, Put in 15 to 20 hours, learn all the systems, and then you'll really like it. And yeah. it's like, you know, there's plenty of other games out there that I'm not sure that I'm that desperate to find something to click with.
0: I feel bad, too. I'm the same way with TV shows. It's like, don't tell me like I need to sit through an entire season and a half before it gets good. You yeah. know? Just I'll just like... watch
1: a show that's good right from the start. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: All right. One last letter here. It says, Hi, Stephen Woody. Hello. Thank you so much for covering Panzer Dragoon on your Patreon podcast. Hashtag (laughs) free promotion. A couple of years ago, I wrote into the show about how I had purchased a Sega Saturn and wanted to fill out my catalog of this mysterious and oft forgotten console. Since then, I've accumulated a collection of 25 plus games with the exception of a shitty Incredible Hulk game that came with my console and (laughs) Knights of which I've become a huge fan. I created all of my discs using illegitimate means. Of course. The process was relatively easy with the right tools and guilt-free given Sega's utter refusal to port the vast majority of Saturn games. Panzer Dragoon Saga has also become one of my favorite games and one of the few Saturn games I've played to completion. It is a fun, fast, accessible RPG that every fan of the genre should play, and it's a damn crime that it hasn't been ported or legitimately emulated. The music is especially wonderful, and the rest song that plays at camp has become one of my most played gaming tracks on Spotify. Unlike some other lost games that have gained uh, huge reputations despite not aging all too well, e.g. EarthBound, sorry, not sorry, <laughs> Saga lives up to the hype and is a joy to play in 2022.
1: I, know, I, still, I think EarthBound's pretty fun. I like I EarthBound, like it, too. It, yeah.
0: uh, butch- butchering the launch and marketing of this game and then blaming it on the dev team for its failure is one of Sega's biggest blunders in a long line of oopsies for the company. Anywho, please continue to show the Saturn some love, and thank you for what you do. That is from Dan in Washington D.C. And he says, "P.S. I know Earthbound is no longer lost and is still well regarded, but I just couldn't get into it. The poor inventory management killed the experience for me."
1: Fair. It there. does have poor inventory management. I That's agree a with game. that.
0: That's a Earthbound is a game where, like, I I do love it, but mostly because of its personality yeah. rather than any specific like, uh, gameplay mechanic. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. it's about one click over the original dragon warrior basically, in terms of like mechanics, but, but it's just
0: so charming and unique in its style. Yeah. Uh, thank I mean, you that... for writing it. I, I had such a great time playing the Panzer Dragoon series. Yeah. I'm still playing Panzer Dragoon saga yeah. and it's phenomenal. It, it is one of those games that I'm just really like we were talking about. Like sometimes these games just connect with you and that's a, an example of a game that is really, really connecting with me in a way that I don't think a game has in a long time.
1: That's really good to hear. Yeah, and I mean, just like, we've both been, you know, pretty pro-Saturn. Like, we both love the Saturn. Like, the 2D graphics on it are beautiful. It has a fun selection of games that you don't show up in other places. And like, from a purely like aesthetic standpoint, I think it's one of the most attractive consoles yeah it's it's kind of it's both boxy and curvy yes yeah it looks good yeah um this is you know there's just not that many opportunities to talk about Saturn stuff because it doesn't have that much of a reverberation on the gaming landscape
0: yeah I mean Sega seemed so aggressively embarrassed by it that they just uh they've erased most of its cultural tale entirely and the the games have become pretty prohibitively expensive if you want to get them through legitimate means. So yep. yeah, it, but yeah, there, there's a lot of cool stuff and uh, hopefully Saturn will do like a mini console or something like along yeah. the lines. Boy, Cause yeah, I, that I'd, would
1: be really welcome.
0: I'd, I'd love to see some of these games be more accessible. Yeah. Um, and check out patreoncom slash ultra 64 pod. If you want to hear both episodes of that Patreon or uh, that Panzer Dragoon series, uh, and we're also getting ready to start a new series on The Simpsons, which is uh, kind of the anti-Panzer Dragoon, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like yeah. that's about as far in the opposite direction as you can get. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun conversation either way. We're going to get into some uh, get into some interesting we, we co- like, territory.
1: We like like every white guy in their mid thirties are passionate about The Simpsons. We love The Simpsons. It's... We're going to have a lot of to to say about yeah. it.
0: Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. Uh, we are uh, we're we're having a little bit of a party next week—a uh, Mario party, Ooh. if you will, Mario Party 10, alongside um Animal Crossing amiibo festival, which is a Animal Crossing Mario Party ripoff. That. Okay. Uh, i i'm excited to dig into those so uh uh tune in to that episode next week and uh remember to keep your smartphones active so that i can steal all of your money from you <laughs> because i can do that now i'm a hacker man who watches the watchdogs all right bye everybody